0: We are hearing an awful lot right now about the debt ceiling in the news, Congress working to raise it. We wanted to learn what exactly the debt ceiling is, what it does, why it is critical for it to be raised, and why it's been allowed to become such a political football. For this conversation, we spoke with Dr. Laura Bucci. She is an assistant professor of political science at St. Joseph's University. So can you just give me a quick primer, the debt ceiling in broad terms, what it is?
1: Sure. It's money that Congress has already authorized to spend. So we've already established that this is money we're going to spend. The debt ceiling is the limit at which we can spend money. Originally, throughout the creation of the debt ceiling, Congress followed what was called the Gephardt Rule, where as it spent more money, it it could authorize, it didn't need to reauthorize itself to spend more money. It would just kind of happen automatically um, and ratchet up. What happens in 1995 is we get a repeal of the Gephardt rule. And so we have this moment where Congress needs to authorize money that it's already allocated to be spent. Otherwise, it will default on its loans. And that sounds meaningful, but it's, it's even worse than you would imagine that consequence happening because so much of the U.S. economy, the dollar value is the kind of standard currency in a lot of other countries as well. And so if we default on that amount of money, what ends up happening is our credibility as a valuable dollar decreases dramatically. Um, and so other currencies will plummet, the stock market will plummet, um, our credit rating will get downgraded. It's the whole um, deeply political moment that has huge consequences. Um, And so what usually happens with the debt ceiling is that Congress will then authorize um, it to be increased um, and then we'll proceed forward. But before that happens, there'll be a big debate about what spending means. Um, It'll be heavily politicized um, as though we're we're debating about whether to spend more money. But in reality, what we're debating is money we've already spent, right? Like this is this is a conversation that's way after the fact um, and sort of needs to be shifted. It's a political conversation more than it is an economic one.
0: But I want to bring that home once again because just to make it crystal clear for people, this is money that is already spent. This has no bearing on future spending. And nope. I say that not for people that, don't pay close attention to politics i feel like a lot of the coverage of this mm-hmm. acts like this is a, a, a an argument over spending going forward and i don't i'm going to get my soapbox for a second the the dc press i feel does a very very poor job of framing this in what it is am i crazy
1: no No, I mean, I think the conversation right now ends up being in the way Congress talks about debt ceiling and the way Congress talks about the debt ceiling is the way Congress tends to talk about spending generally in really broad terms where more spending is always bad and kind of divorced from like needs for spending. Right. So we just had a pandemic like, of course, you're going to spend more in a pandemic year than you. Than you would at other points in time. You know, you might be opposed to spending generally, but you may also be supportive in paying debts that are already due. But the time for this kind of debate about what goes in the budget is during the time where you're passing a new budget, not the time where the where the debt ceiling needs to be increased. But this is a nice easy moment for people to kind of re-bring up that conversation and also have what has to happen need to happen right they're gonna reauthorize the debt ceiling it's gonna go up because it can't not right the consequences of it not going up are way 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 too high it would be a global economic collapse it would be a major deal um the second that the us's credit rating got downgraded um it would be a big deal for america but also for a lot of other countries and so it's this moment where it's a way to get on a soapbox publicly, politically. It's a way to show that you're like against something and then have kind of the process kind of continue as as planned. And so this happens every so often. It started happening under Obama. It's increased in frequency over time. And it seems to be a way in which you can kind of uh, sort of the Republican Party can make a, a a moment politically, have a lot of speeches about spending kind of generally, and then not have all that much change. Um, and our coverage of that looks like here's who's giving a speech and here's what the speech said. Not so much about like, but that's not really what this is, right? This is this is not about like, should government do more? This is more like, should government pay for things that already allocated and has already paid budgets for?
0: You mentioned the Gephardt rule and you mentioned mm-hmm. it was reversed in 95.
1: Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Is that, do you know the why there? Like, is that something that was looked at as could be possibly used as a political weapon or was it just some something that kind of happened? And- yeah.
1: There's a bunch of changes in Congress in the mid nineties. You get a, a big conservative turn in particular in the house. You get the kind of advent of Newt Gingrich. You get also a bunch of changes in procedural rulings in this moment where there's an effort to kind of shift how Congress behaves. So it's a way to kind of get rid of existing kind of rules of practice if they if the perception is, is they're not like suiting Congress in that moment. And the Gephardt rule is kind of one to fall by the wayside here. I don't think the full understanding of how political it would get existed in 1995. Right. So like polarization was not that large at that point. You still had a pretty significant chunk of moderate Republicans. You had some more conservative Democrats. You still have a few conservative Democrats, but there wasn't this clear split on party that was as hard lined in that moment as there would be even 10 years later. And so in today it's, it's much more partisan, much more party line, much more of a, a political tactic. Rather than some kind of procedural move, because ultimately, this is going to sound a little bit too maybe blasé. But this is all kind of imaginary, right? The global economic market is uh, operating at such high dollar values that, like, it's real, but like the numbers are too high, right? So it's it's like yes, we could authorize more money, we could print more money, we could uh, credibly meet all of these debts. We could just do it, but. There is a second argument that's more popular among voters and more popular politically that says um, that really equates federal budgets, which in no way are really the same with with family budgets. Right. So like if a family has to pay their debts, then the federal government should also have to pay its debts. And that's an argument that really relates to a lot of voters. There's a lot of reasons why the U.S. government and families are distinct from each other. And so this kind of gets lost in translation. And it's a way to kind of communicate ideological commitments that are distinct from from practical concerns or procedural guarantees or, or not guarantees, procedural concerns.
0: So correct me if I'm wrong. When the debt limit gets raised, it can literally be like a one sentence line on a piece of paper, right? This is not some three inch thick legislation. It is just, uh, we certify that the debt Mm -hmm. limit can be raised and that's it. So the entire global economic foundation could literally be based on an eight by 10 piece of paper in Congress.
1: Yeah, It's, it's based on the value of the dollar, right? So if the value of the dollar plummets, then a lot of other countries that have set the value of their currency to what the dollar is at is they're all in trouble, right? The stock market, which also assumes a consistent strong dollar is also in trouble here because now American goods are not worth very much anymore. If there was a huge um, undertaking a few years ago where the U.S.'s credit rating got downgraded. And so this was a moment where, um, where everyone was like, if we can't trust in American investments, then we've backed U.S. bonds or we've backed um, sort of other treasury investments, if those aren't stable, sustainable investments, then what we've invested is worth less than we put in. It won't grow in value. We should pull the money or we should um, we should worry about the money, right? And so this kind of sets off this cascade. The dollar has been the dominant currency for decades, right? Before that, it was the pound sterling. Um, it might be a different currency in the future, but as that dollar value If it decreases, we end up in a situation where where something has to happen, right? Something in – that's never a good place to be economically, right? Where something you're not sure what, but it's probably going to be bad, is going to take place.
0: So the idea that it's literally just a a piece of paper that says we authorize – why don't we just get rid of this instead of doing these machinations every nine months, two years, whatever. We know – what this does. We know how it's weaponized. Can't we just, or I say we, I mean the government, can't Congress just eliminate it?
1: Theoretically, we could go back to the Gephardt rule, which is just like, as the government needs to spend more money, it, it can authorize, it doesn't need to authorize itself. It's just like the debt limit just increases as Congress passes new budgets. Um, right. And so that would be a possibility that could take place. But again, this is kind of the moment where Congress would need to vote for itself to constrain its own powers which isn't likely to take place given that it's so successful politically um, it's not good for us like but again most of us don't understand really what's taking place and it's kind of this broader ideological discussion about spending and and how much government spends and and why does it keep writing checks it can't cash and blah 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 um, which is you know a separate conversation that we don't actually need to be having, but it's a it's a check-in point for a lot of politicians to build support with their base to kind of give large speeches that are, are really um, an easy advertisement of their politics, kind of pre-election or in the run-up to elections. Um, it's a it's a useful tactic that. Parties have seen fit to kind of really help. It's like getting rid of the filibuster, right? Like it's not a, it's a thing that could easily happen. um, If the Senate would restrain its own power, which it seems to have no inclination to do, Um, right? Some people do, other people don't, right? And that's kind of spanning across parties. It's, It's more Republicans than Democrats, but it's some Democrats too, right? That this would require serious change of how, um, politicians view their own role in political processes and right now it's that like keeping barriers in place can be useful electorally it can be useful messaging wise it can be a kind of a useful way to extract concessions on other bills it can be um, a way to show kind of party unity which is useful come election time all of those things mean that like it, what would be an easy fix becomes not easy anymore because ultimately it could be very easy, right? Like all of this change could happen really fast if, it, if there was any political will, which is kind of the most frustrating thing about all of this, where it's like if there were simply political will, things could change and we wouldn't have to have this conversation all the time. Um, but because there isn't, we have to be like, no, that's not actually what's happening here. No, I'm sorry, that's like not what's going on. And you know, it, it, we could talk about something else instead.
0: I'm curious, you know, we've spent the last several minutes talking about this being used basically as a political football. Yeah. And eventually it's going to get fumbled, even if, uh, you know, because you look at this at the outside. This is not like the the, the work of serious people, I guess. This is not and eventually you keep playing with something this serious even if you don't default and it but don't people start to lose faith just on the idea that everybody's screwing around with something like this and you talked about people worrying about them. it it can have a cascade effect without actually happening i mean this
1: has been the worry with a lot of a lot of congress and a lot of american institutions going forward right it's the idea is that like you can play this kind of polarized game you can kind of appeal to your base you can kind of make these arguments about like how we can't do anything and nothing can work and that eventually you erode such confidence in these institutions that the institutions themselves cannot function right because the belief of the American public is why should I why should I participate why should I be involved in this why should this exist if it can't manage itself or if it can't do anything that even stuff we really want done it can't do Right. And a lot of the things that Congress authorized in the budget are things that are hugely popular. Right. they are things that the American public in general really likes. And so if the idea is like we can't even get good things out of government or good things from a society, then trust sort of starts to erode. Right. You don't trust your member of Congress. You don't trust the courts. You don't trust the presidency. Um, and kind of all, this sounds really dramatic and it probably is a little bit dramatic, but not that much. Um Confidence in these institutions is really one of the major things that is holding them together, right? Our belief that this can all work or that Congress will do the right thing or authorize itself to spend money in mostly correct ways or won't hijack the agenda for trivial matters or won't kind of do something just to advance yourself personally or like more than one person won't do that the more we see that happen, the more that trust kind of breaks down. And we tend to view these institutions as deeply political, deeply troubled, and not something that is, that has any sort of input from us, meaning that like our vote is meaningless, right? That like I could vote for a member of Congress, but if everything is predetermined and you know, every couple of years, regardless of whether or not we need to spend more money, there's going to be this huge conversation about, Like, how bad spending is, it's going to waste a bunch of time. And then the stock market is going to take a real hit, which is what's going to happen. And then we'll vote to reauthorize it, right? Markets will get nervous. And then, you know, like if you have to retire that day or something, right? Like, there is someone that's going to be affected by this directly. Will they be like the most people? No. Would it be as much as if we defaulted? No. But there is someone here that like the stock market level at that day will affect someone, right? It won't just be, no one, this will matter for nobody. But we just kind of play around like, like there are other kind of goals. And so the worry is that these like institutions can't, they don't seem to see that, right? They don't seem to see like that there's a real risk in behaving this way. And so that's why a lot of comparative politics scholars have been really worried, right? Because it's like, if, you know, if you start to really kind of play up all of these heavily political, uh, heavily kind of violent or, or different sort of tactics over time. This is how democracies can collapse, right? Like this is a, this is a broad concern overall. The debt ceiling is probably not there, but the global economic system is really dependent on us having credible commitments. And if we don't, a lot of trouble can come from that. And Because of that, the political football gets kind of heavier. And the likelihood we drop it eventually also goes up as the people that get elected to Congress sort of like the way Congress acts or recruited to be more like the current people in Congress. The worry is that it ratchets up, ratchets up, ratchets up until it explodes. Um, Right. And so the but the answer is we don't know how to kind of turn it down either.
0: We've heard a lot of talk, obviously, about the debt ceiling, also about the possibility of a government shutdown. Can you just clarify the, are these two separate things? Do they overlap? Um, they can, like, if we raise the debt ceiling, is there still the possibility of a government shutdown?
1: I believe there is still a possibility of both happening at the same time. It's a question of whether the federal government can pay its workers, right? So it it manages over two million federal employees. Um, I did Americorps Vista for a, a year, which is a which is a federal program. And so there was concern about this when I was doing that program that was back in the 2011 shutdown. Um, and there was worry there because VISTAs were being paid. It's a, you're being paid a poverty rate, a wage. It's a whole sort of commitment to a larger program. And there was worry that um, that that money wouldn't come, right? And because the money is so low, right? You're like, I have to pay my rent. It's you know, I'm only making, say, whatever it was, $500 a month or something like that. I don't know if I can do this. And you're working at an organization that's also applied to have a Vista. So they're not a super heavily moneyed organization. Right. And so now you're in a situation where you're the place where you're working for needs to subsidize you. Right. Which isn't the plan. Right. That's not how the money was delivered. There's also some worry that checks. um, So, Other commitments that the federal government has, social security checks, uh, food stamp benefits, things that are automatically loaded are going to be delayed because there there hasn't been kind of the ability to spend additional money. Right. It just basically pauses some stuff. And if you're already operating at thin margins, that pause can be really detrimental to you personally. Kind of, you know, if you're waiting for the first of the month to get money to do something um, and then all of a sudden it's not the first of the month, it's like the sixth of the month. That's a that's a long time. Basically, the federal government does a lot of things. And if it decides or can't do those things or isn't authorized to do those things, it kind of all can break. Um, So it's not just federal workers, but it is some federal workers, but it's also federal programs. It's it's a it's a complicated kind of interconnection of relationships. Basically, it's a, a lot will happen. The most consequential probably is is internationally. But that's not to say that the complications domestically aren't really bad.
0: That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.